0: Welcome to the podcast of the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. This episode is kindly supported by Massimo. I am your host Dr. Igor Bramvich, the current chair of the trainee committee at the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care and I am also an anesthesiologist at the Charité Berlin, Germany. Today we will be speaking about key points to Takeaway from the Focus on Brain Health initiative. The Focus track on brain health was kicked off in September with a tri-me quiz and continued with a webinar series throughout October and the Focus meeting on brain health, which took place on November 25th. The initiative will include a dedicated heads-on workshop at UNCG next year in Munich here in Germany. To further discuss the main takeaways, we have invited Professor Vincent Bonhomme, Form Chair of Form 3, organs of the Scientific Committee at the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. And he is also Head and Professor of Anesthesiology at the University Hospital of Liège at the University of Liège in Belgium. Welcome, Vincent.
1: Thank you, Igor, for receiving me. Uh, I must admit that I was very happy with the. The focus meeting on brain health and i had great pleasure following it because i found the talks of excellent quality indeed it was a a huge work with with many people and it's always good when it goes well um and in addition this year there was an originality uh, involving younger people giving a, a message at the end of each session, summarizing the key learning points. And I would be interested about your feelings about this participation, because you were one of them um, in, uh, in
0: some sessions. I think it was an excellent way to point out the important things for trainees who are not that advanced in their training yet. And also perhaps a good thing to get like the most important take-home messages maybe for somebody else who just wants to repeat this in a more simpler fact and I think it was a great idea to involve trainees to the event because um, this has spread the message that the trainees are also a big part of scientific events like this.
1: Yeah and it is great to have such a collaboration and I think it's a good way of uh, attracting people to get involved in the society later on. So um, with s- such initiatives, we ensure the future of, of our society in a way.
0: Yes, I completely agree with you, Vincent. And I attended the event myself, like you said, too. And the event kicked off in the morning already with two amazing parallel sessions about how to improve the health of an injured brain. There was one session with the general aspects of it, and one perhaps more specific one. What do you think were the main takeaways from these sessions in the morning?
1: Well, for that first session on general aspects of uh, taking care of the brain uh, of the injured brain. um... I retain that the sh- the choice of sedation in your ICU should be uh, individually tailored, taking account of the pharmacologic properties of agents and their effects on hemodynamics in general and brain hemodynamics in particular, and also uh, taking account of their side effects. Um, currently, um, the hypnotics. Uh, that are mainly used are Propofol and Midazolam with um, advantages for uh, one and others for the other. Um, and I was also interested, interested to hear that uh, opioids indeed may be deleterious uh, for CPP and in that case ketamine may be a good alternative to them uh, because it is safe in the combination with other sedatives. Uh, I heard also that texmedetobinid is not a good idea at the acute phase and may be a good choice later on for uh, ventilation weaning. Um, There might be also a future for the new drug remimazolam, but it still has to be defined and uh, muscle relaxants should also be avoided except, if needed, to permit adequate uh, mechanical ventilation. There was also a talk on brain monitoring in your ICU, and uh, we must admit that um, practices in this respect vary a lot between centers. Um, However, evidence accumulates to say that brain monitoring is key to to detect secondary brain injury early, and that um, multimodality uh, in, in, uh monitor- in the type of monitorings we use is essential. Um, also, their adequate use determines the success of treatment in those brain-injured patients. Um, we also have learned in that session that, that uh, non-neurological patients, such as those in sepsis, for example, have a suffering brain, and this is often ignored, Um, and that brain suffering is determined by inflammation and the rupture of the blood-brain barrier. Um, This situation has an impact on mortality, on early mortality, and um, we should aim at because we detecting deleterious events in that case, such as brain edema and uh non convulsive status epilepticus and treat those um, pathological events. And yeah. finally, um finally in that session we heard about promising therapies of uh, disorders of consciousness involving medications medication such as um amantadine, apomorphine or zolpidem or brain stimulation either deep brain stimulation or electrical and magnetic transcranial stimulation uh, also these new treatments are at the beginning uh, and also the progress is slow in this domain uh, there is uh, there is, uh, however, hope for the future in that respect
0: yes and how about um the session about specific aspects there were quite a few interesting talks i think the first one was about intracranial pressure management right
1: yeah exactly exactly um there were those those different modalities of monitoring intracranial pressure were nicely described by chiara roba uh there are some new uh, elements to take, care, to take account of in, in these types of monitoring, but uh, of course the most reliable is invasive monitoring of intracranial pressure, uh, but there are other less invasive methods that could be used, and um, I learned I, I learn a lot in that respect. Uh, there was after Kiara another talk about uh, hypothermia, uh, and the topic was about its eventual protective effect on the brain. Um, and we must admit in that that case that uh, it is only protective. It has been demonstrated to be protective only after cardiac arrest and uh, in. the the, the degree of hypothermia we should apply in that case is uh, between 32 and 34 degrees. Uh, I found also interesting to notice that uh, normothermia after the phase of hypothermia should be actively maintained afterward to avoid fever. uh, so that was also a very interesting talk. Or the following topics on subarachnoid hemorrhage uh, it was uh, insisted on the fact that the delayed cerebral ischemia uh, may occur and that it has a different um it is it is a different entity as compared to vasospasm. It is not the same. And it was also interesting to hear that some degree of prevention of uh, that delayed cerebral ischemia may, may be achieved with uh, the early administration of low molecular weight heparins uh, also vasospasm in, in the context of subarachnoid hemorrhage is not necessarily easy to detect with uh, ultrasonography, because that tool explores only the proximal parts of the vessels, um, and that um, uh, digital subtraction and geography remains the gold standard for diagnosis. And finally, uh, Dr. Lee showed that the early detection of stroke is of utmost importance, and that any stroke should be considered ischemic unless proven otherwise, Uh, and um, principles of management of those strokes include early disobstruction if the responsible vessel uh, is identified, and this must occur through uh, fibrinolysis and or thrombectomy. Uh, it is also important to maintain normotermia, normoglycemia, and normoxia in those patients and to avoid uh, episodes of low blood pressure. And in case of intracerebral hemorrhage, um, we must have a reasonable control of high blood pressure uh, numbers and control for Coagulation in those patients that are frequently on anticoagulants. And in any case, uh, unnecessary prolonged sedation is deleterious. That was for this session on specific aspects of management of brain injured patient Igor.
0: Yes, so there are quite a few interesting sessions which everybody can learn something either from the more general aspects about the topic or very specific one and interesting management strategies. Maybe everybody could learn some one or two new aspects from diseases that you've probably seen like suprachnoid hemorrhage or a case of stroke. And then... After the break, we continue to two different parallel sessions, one about how to keep a young brain healthy and the other one about how to keep an old brain healthy. Well, the, let's talk about the first one with how to keep a young brain healthy. There were like quite a few renowned speakers talking about brain damage in the very young, starting with the first one from Jürgen De Graf. He talked about the pathophysiology of Potential anesthesia induced brain damage in a very young mindset that's right
1: yeah yeah exactly uh igor uh there has been a lot of concern about the uh, potential toxic effect of anesthesia on on the very young brain, at least the one that is under uh development um and um, the precaution principle recommends to avoid anesthesia and surgery whenever possible in the young age, uh, because of the possible link between repeated anesthesia and cognitive issues. Um, But, aside from that, uh, there is currently not really evidence regarding one anesthesia technique or the other for protecting the brain of the very young. So, the message of Tony Absalon was that um, the the main message was that it is very very important in that young age to maintain normal homeostasis in all respects, in all aspects of homeostasis. That's the most important things uh, I would say, irrespective of the anesthesia technique you use. And this is the best best way to um, to 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 protect the brain of um, of our younger patients, at least um, according to the knowledge we have uh, up to now.
0: Yes, and if you think about, let's say, a bit of like older patients, they're like a bit different than the younger ones, which are at risk. <laughs> Um We've talked so there were quite a few sessions there about uh, all the patient, and I think the first one about was about actually you know identified those patients at risk of brain dysfunction from one and many from Brussels, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's uh, the the main recommendation because this is not done. Uh, So often in, 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 uh, in one team or another, the, the, the most important thing is to look, to search for patients at risk. And there are some new insights uh, into this uh, using some, uh, for example, EG markers or um, uh, blood markers of uh, susceptibility to cognitive disorders after surgery, and it is important to work on that in each team, to take patients that are at risk and to be able to um, uh, set up a series of measures um, to to prevent um Delirium and other cognitive disorder to occur in those elderly people. Aside from, from uh, doing great job uh, intraoperatively as we do always, maintaining uh, uh, such the same way we do it in younger people, it is important to maintain homeostasis and uh, limit as much as possible the potential aggressions to the brain during surgery detecting those patients early allows um, taking additional me- measures that are not that are not necessarily very complex to implement um, but uh, this way we may lower the incidence of uh, cognitive disorders and this is important because we know that uh, those cognitive Disorders increase the length of stay in the hospital, uh, increase the occurrence of is institutional, uh, institutionalization after the um, after the hospital, and this is uh, this has a, a big impact on patient quality of life and on um, on the resources of our society.
0: Yes, and there were quite a few other interesting sessions. So, after a delightful break, we continued in the afternoon with two different power sessions. The first one was called How to Keep the Doctor's Brain Healthy, which is, was a bit more focused on like burnout and other topics, which might occur like in your team. And the other one, perhaps a more clinical one, was does monitoring the brain in the OR or in the ICU actually help keeping it healthy what would you say about the first session what were like the main takeaways from your point of view about the one how to keep a doctor's brain healthy
1: well I I was uh very very pleased to uh, to have that session because uh, i i think it was one of the most original in the panel of sessions we had during that focus meeting uh because we 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 frequently talk about patients but uh, less much less frequently frequently sorry about the um uh, the health of ourselves because we are submitted to uh, a lot of pressure, Um, we work hard, we um, have uh, big responsibilities, and it might be sometimes uneasy to deal with that. And during that session we had the point of view of, um, I would say, uh, experienced anesthesiologist and we had also the point of view of younger ones um, and and um, uh, at the end i think the the message was the same um, uh, that is uh, the third thing is to be aware of the possibility of burnout in our profession it is not a mystery um, we are at risk of that whatever uh whoever we are, either man or a woman uh, um, and um it is very important in that respect to um to be able to talk to someone that some um incentive or um well being in a department or set up with uh, Uh, the help of the whole team. Um, And uh, uh, it is not only a matter of, of, I would say, management of the team, but also a personal way to achieve um, well-being in our profession, um, setting the limits and uh, finding some rewards about what we do. Uh, And to me, that's the most important thing, is to uh, give the possibility to people to have some uh, reward on their activity. Not necessarily a financial reward, but uh, professional satisfaction in what we do. And to me, this is the most important preventing factor uh, regarding uh, burnout.
0: Yes and how about the clinical one? The, we were talked about a few important tools like the EGG and the OR or the ICU. We must say that there
1: is there is a lot of pressure to use those tools and um, the definition of, of their utility is becoming uh, more and more precise thanks to the work of many scientists and and the clinician scientists, uh, those those tools um, undoubtedly offer true uh, value um, in the management of our patients. Uh, it is uh, we it offers additional value uh, in the way we can manage them, um, and th- there are several possible modalities. Uh, it it would be too long to uh, go through all of them today. Um, but um, I was pleased to see that um, uh, the, the, um, the way we should use them is uh, better and better defined. Uh, and in the future, I'm sure that we'll enter our ORs uh, to become um, useful tools for the management of our patients.
0: Yes, so quite a few interesting tools which most people probably have seen and perhaps some new aspect of them. And by the end of the focus meeting, there was one joint session with perhaps uh, quite a paramount relevance to our daily um, clinical work. It was the session about how to keep us a post-healthy adult brain healthy, which applies to most patients we see, right?
1: Yeah, you know, and there the the, the message was uh, uh, quite the same as in the session. The session on the old brain that is, um, it is not only the old brain that is at risk of uh, suffering during surgery and anesthesia, and uh, again, uh, we should uh, have an eye on detecting the patients that are. At risk of developing some uh, some cognitive disorders afterwards, uh, and here um, the the attitude is the same. If you detect someone at risk, you take measures to avoid uh, such deleterious events. And there was also some um, some insight into the possibility of. Um, Doing prehabilitation in those patients at risk uh, to strengthen uh, the brain before potential uh, aggression during the the time of surgery and anesthesia, and I found that uh, very interesting as well. Difficult to apply uh, to everyone we receive for anesthesia, but. Uh, if we keep in mind the principle of, of, of detecting the patients at risk, uh, it might be wise to implement those measures uh, preoperatively. And um, I gave also at the end of that session a talk uh, on uh, eventual um, sex differences in the sensitive of the brain to uh, general anesthesia. Uh, and when I had to prepare this talk, and reading the literature, I was amazed to amazed to uh, to um, uh, notice that indeed um, young women are frequently underdosed. They are at higher risk of awareness episodes during anesthesia with or without explicit recall thereafter uh and that um uh they uh generally speaking uh, recover more rapidly than men so uh we should I think we should work at um finding s- some kind of uh, sex Tailored anesthesia technique to better uh, to take better care of of women of of yo- younger women in particular, so that um, uh, we avoid those deleterious events in them.
0: Yes, and after the focus meeting, the focus track itself is not over, right? There will be some other new things following, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Um, we um will have some um, workshop at the next Euro anesthesia meeting in in Munich in June. um there was there 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 will be also a paper summarizing the main messages at the focus meeting, and that will be uh written by the speakers at the the focus meeting. It will be published in the European Journal of Anesthesia and Intensive Care, um, and then uh, uh, and therefore it will be open access, of course. So the learning track continues, and um, this is also an originality that is very interesting. Uh, uh, and uh, this service is offered by the Isaac with the support of many people and uh, uh, it it uh, it should be uh, taken by everyone because of, because it's very interesting indeed.
0: Thank you very much, Vincent. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode. The European Society for Anesthesiology and Intensive Care releases monthly podcasts on our website and various streaming platforms. We hope you will join us for the next one. This episode is sponsored by Massing.